0: We got a special one today. Our old friend Porcel here, once again. Porcel, it's been a while since since we've talked to you. I think I'm trying to think of the last time. Might have been, might have been. Can't close my eyes. Reissue, maybe. Dude, it's been way too long.
1: Yeah, so it's it's good You've to have you back. You've been doing like Elliot and uh, all those later Rev bands. I haven't heard from you. What's yeah, we're,
0: we're we're in the '90s. We got. Uh, Tim Brooks here, who was on one of our first uh, episodes, too. Episode eight, maybe? was it Nine. No, wait. nine. It was nine. Speak Out yeah. is nine. Yeah. And then our new friend, Chewy, here, mm-hmm. live from – you're in Barcelona. Yeah. And, yeah, we're here to talk about their band, Values, here. Um, I'm sure you've seen them making the rounds. Our dear friend, Oisey. At End Hits uh is releasing their album that comes out September 22nd. Uh which is what? Is that the first day of fall? Huh? Um, I think maybe. Um on End Hits. And it's called Take Your Time, I'll Be Waiting. So we're here to take some time (laughs) to talk about it. You're smooth,
1: dude. You're smooth. Yeah, pro, very pro.
0: (laughs) so i guess my, my first question is uh purcell i know you had been working on a new band for quite some time i feel like this has been like even just if it was on the back burner you know you've been doing obviously tons of you know playing a lot of music judge plays shows youth of today bold occasionally will play with you um you know on guitar but you know i know you you're a person that is writing music. I'm assuming you write music a lot still. Um, so like how long would you say with the gestation for this project was it, it has to be a few years in the making, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, um, you know, I never, I wasn't really going to do a new band. I was tossing around the ideas of like doing a new shelter record, doing a new judge record. Um, and I never really had time. You know, it was funny because, you know, I was telling other people that this band, it's, it, the way that this band has come together, it's just, it's really magical. And it's, it's almost mystical, the um, crossing of events that made the band possible. Because I randomly met Chewy at a shelter show. And you know, Shelter played, and you know, Chewy is, you know, a shelter fan, and she was with her friend, uh, this guy who was like a, a huge shelter fan. And so the guy came up to me after the show and he had like a youth of day tattoo, he had a shelter tattoo. I think he even does he have a judge tattoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has all your bands tattoos. <laughs> he's got the, the trifecta. So I saw <laughs> he's got all my bands tattooed all over like, who is this guy? Yeah, so, and, and he was like can we go say hi and take a
2: picture with me please and like, was like yeah yeah sure sure yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah it was like can we take a picture with you it, not- <laughs> we have the picture and you're like
1: with your your pose <laughs> that's
2: you, you so cool present. that's so
1: cool you said that did, did you ever send it to me
2: yeah I think Send it no, but I think that we tagged, I tagged you, I tagged you okay. in the Instagram, but I'm going to look for the, the picture and yeah, we, we oh, can, okay. we can post it. We can post it like, here is when it all started. Yeah, <laughs> what, what,
3: year, yeah. what year was that? Um,
1: 2019.
2: 2019, um, 19. 19.
1: yeah. Um, so I was kind of intrigued with this guy because he's got all my band tattoos and, um, Uh, Greg, he was into, uh, he was into Krishna a little bit. Okay. Who is this straight edge Krishna guy? (laughs) And he, he doesn't speak, he doesn't speak, he doesn't speak a word of English. Does he, Chewy? Yeah.
2: Yeah, He can understand some words, but no, he doesn't speak English.
1: He didn't speak any English. So Chewy was his translator. (laughs) So I'm talking to him and Chewy's translating. Uh, and, uh, and then we, you know, just naturally, I'm I'm talking to Chewy too, and so you know we we got to meet, and um, you know it's you'll you'll notice just spending just this like hour or whatever that we're going to be you know talking with Chewie. she's just naturally super charismatic, you know, just <laughs> got something about I'll I'll I will say this about you Chewie. there's something just super energetic. And kind of charismatic, and even Tim will will attest to this. Just like kind of instantly likable, right? Tim, thank you. When you first met Chewy.
3: Yeah, we didn't we didn't meet until we'll get into it later. But uh, shooting the first video and how this all came together, and we'll talk about that. But I was out uh, in Brooklyn first, and Chewy rolled up with her luggage, and immediately <laughs>
2: <just stuck laughs> the <up>. massive <laughs> the massive luggage
3: that I was coming around. Have, Sort of hardcore roots and like some similar, uh, backgrounds, but it, uh, it was like an easy conversation and felt like, you know, an older friendship. So it was like immediate, like, you know, bonding of energy. Then. It was great. And
1: by that, by the end of that day, it just seemed like we had all been friends for years.
3: Isn't that true? So when you see those videos, we, and some of the photos from there, we actually all met. I mean, obviously, no you know, Vinnie and Purcell meet together playing, but, Chewy we met like an hour before and then we're shooting we're in this room shooting all this so all that stuff uh that you see is like the first weekend that we met so it's pretty incredible
1: yeah so you know I just like noticed that about Chewy <laughs> <laughs> at, at that shelter show and then Chewy mentioned like she's a singer and when she said she's a singer, the guy who couldn't speak English got like really excited. He's like, yeah, and he was kind of motioning, yes, she's a <laughs> singer. She's a really good singer. Like, you know, I can't speak English, but he just kind of is, he's kind of just, you know. Yeah, I, think,
2: uh, I, guess I, I don't remember it well, but I guess that not only him, my friends that were there, they all were like pushing me, like, hey, go speak with him. Like, you go speak with him. like. Uh, um, introduce yourself and, and, you know, like tell him that you're a singer. And that was like a little,
1: ah. <sighs> yeah. So so Chewie was like, yeah, I'm a singer. And she's telling me, like, uh, yeah, I've sang in some hardcore bands and, you know, I sang with some, um, you know, I, I sang at some like pop and electric stuff that some producers gave to me and stuff like that. And uh, I was just thinking, she, uh, just from meeting her, and just seeing how kind of like, you know, just the way she was, I was just thinking, this girl would be a good singer. So I even said, you would be a good singer. <laughs> and she said, we should do a band. Or somehow it came up, like, you're a good guitar player. We should do a band together. And I was like, we should do a band together. Kind of half joking. You know what I mean? Uh, but when it comes to music, you can't really joke with Chewy because she was like, oh, my God, for wants to do a band with me. Almost immediately after that tour, we played that tour like right at the end of the year. And then right at the beginning of 2020, I went to India. And so I'm in India at the Govardhan Eco Village, you know, barely checking my phone. You know, every few days when I have like, uh, you, know, you have to go to this one spot, you have to like walk really far to, you know, get internet service. So every like three days when I'm going to like check my Instagram, there's like messages from Chewy. Hey, send me some tracks. I really yeah, I agree with yeah. was like, send
2: me, give me your email. Like, yeah. what's like, your like, email? You <laughs> you know, man. Give me your email. I'm talking serious. Like, it's not just like a hey, I, I'm a, you know, that we were talking about business. So yeah, like, I was seaweeps. really serious. Right? Like, you
0: took it seriously. You took it seriously. You're like, yeah, this isn't of a joke. This isn't course. a joke. Like, I'm serious. I want, I want to I'm do serious. this band. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm and she, she really, like, portrayed it that way, like, hey, I'm really serious. And she would even, like, here's a link to a song that I sang on. And, like, she would send me, like, a song where she did some kind of, like, electronic song with a DJ. And I'm like, this girl can actually freaking sing. Like, I was pretty impressed when I heard her sing. Um, and she was also in a band um, called Honesty, which is more kind of like an emo band, I guess you'd maybe call it.
2: Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but super melodic with, mm, I I don't know if it's emo or if it's, I don't know. The the songs that I made and how it came, I don't want to box them. (laughs) And
1: they had a video, which is pretty professional looking too. It was like, it's like an actual music video. And I saw that. I was like, wow, like this girl's a good singer. It was just kind of in the back of my mind the whole time I'm thinking, I'm not going to do a band with her, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she's a really. It, Probably, I knew that you were going to do a band
2: with me. Well, that's,
1: that's part of the fate. Okay. That's part of the fate. We ran only me at the show. She mentioned she, she, she's a singer. We joke about doing a band like that's just kind of like a weird little quirky thing that just kind of happened to happen. Um, and then I went to India, you know, she's very, she's super like persistent. And then I got back from India in February, like in the middle of February. And um, I was really excited to get back because um, I did so much traveling yoga in 2019. I actually played a lot of music, like Judge Shelter and Youth Today played a lot in 2019. I was traveling practically the whole year. And so as I was traveling and playing and doing these like yoga workshops, I would book for the next year. So I had my whole entire year for like workshops and yoga festivals and, you know, traveling to different studios and weekends. I had it all booked. And so I was really excited. Oh, I'm going to get back and it's going to be a full year of just traveling and doing yoga. And then almost immediately when I got back, like COVID, this you know, this, you know, this virus COVID is taking over and everybody's like, oh, shh. Geez, this could be like a real thing. And then within two weeks, within like at least you know by the middle of May, everything was completely locked down. And there was even yoga stuff that I was supposed to do in May that got canceled. And I'm just like, geez, man, this really sucks. And then one after one after one after one, like during May of 2020, everything got can- by the end of May. My whole year was canceled. And then everything was locked down. And like, it was kind of like a weird, scary time. Like, when are we going to get out of this? You know? So that's another weird set of events that, that like made this band possible because I went from just being super bit, like if the the lockdowns never happened. I would have been too busy to do a band. I would have been traveling just like nonstop doing yoga, but I went from, you know looking towards a year where i had no time whatsoever to now i'm sitting in my apartment with nothing to do like literally i'm like what the hell like i'm not the type of person that likes to sit around either everybody that knows me like i always got to have a mission and something to do and like keep myself busy and i'm like jesus what the hell am i going to do and of course chewy is still yeah <laughs> music give music <clears throat> So it was interesting. I had nothing to do. So I was like, you know, this girl's a good singer. Let me like, see what she can do. And um, here's another weird set of events (laughs) that made the band happen. Bold. um, When Vinny was in bold, we were going to do a new record. Like there was talk about doing records like, you know, years before. And um, I had written a few songs for it and we actually went into the studio. I think we recorded one of them. The song that became Earthlings, Bold actually recorded
3: and it's no, called, Don't it Bring me. me Bring Me the, PMA. Bring, the
1: PMA. bring me the PMA was actually recorded with Bold and the song was called it never got released. I don't think it ever really got properly mixed.
3: No, it didn't pass a tracking session.
1: And so that song actually became um, Bring Me the PMA. But I wrote another I had written another song. And um, that eventually became Will Be Tomorrow. And so the bold record never happened. So I had these songs fully demoed. They actually sounded like really kind of like they were well demoed. Like I spent a lot of time without any vocals. Those were the original demos that I had sent to to Matt. And so I was like, I got these things just sitting around, like on a hard drive. Like this girl really wants me to send her some tracks to sing on. She's a really good singer. Let me send them to her. So you have this collision of... We meet randomly at the show. Really, I met her friend, and she was the translator. But kind of through that, we sort of met and connected. Then the pandemic happened. I had nothing to do. Then I happened, she's telling me, please send me some tracks. I happen to have a bunch of tracks that are already demoed and recorded. And I tell you, I really like the songs, too. Like, I was kind of bummed that they never got used for anything. So the first song that I sent her, I sent her one song. It was Will Be Tomorrow and um you know chewy is like the girl is so determined that you know i i usually do this with bands like you know when we write a shelter song i'll demo the whole entire song it practically sounds like super professional you know like i'm really good at garage band i'll do multiple guitar tracks i'll put the fake drums on them and work really hard to make sure that it's almost as like real as like i want the drum parts that kind of sort of sound like how a real drummer would, would play on them. And usually, you know, Rugganauts will send me some stuff back with him just sort of like humming on it. Because of course, like when you get it, he's not going to write the lyrics immediately, but he sort of gets a general idea of how he's going to sing the song. That's not what Chewy did. <laughs> I sent him, I emailed them to her. 48 hours later, literally, she sent me the whole song back with multiple vocal tracks all the harmonies like everything she wrote the lyrics she came up with the melodies and she came up with all the harmonies in like 48 hours and she sends a song back and i was like oh my god the girl already sent the song back and she's like yeah I, I i completed the song with like the lyrics and everything and it pretty much sounded like the song sounds on the i mean it obviously it's not as well recorded Oh, yeah, but I got the song back, and I listened to it, and I'm like, "This song is great, You know? And it got me really, super excited. Like I wasn't really expecting much. I just kind of sent it to her, but when she sent it back with all the vocal with all the different vocal tracks and the harmonies and everything, I was like, "Wow, this could actually be a really good band. And I started to really get into it. And then you know, she sang in the other songs. That I had demo which eventually became bring the PMA and Earthlings. And then from there we just started working on music. And I you know, I literally had nothing to do. So I'm just like writing songs all day long. You know? Yeah, we were we were obsessed. Yeah, we obsessed. were obsessed. Obsessed. We <laughs> and she like, were obsessed. All
2: day <laughs> of the everyone that talks about the pandemic, like, oh tough times. For me was like Amazing, incredible. I I didn't have to walk. I could spend all day writing. (laughs) So it was great for me. All day in the basement, writing, listening to music, and lots of uh, video calls. It was difficult, but it was great.
0: Yeah. Yeah, We talked about too, especially in the early days, you know, because we started this podcast during that time where it was a lot easier. To get people to be able to sit down, because like Forcell said, there wasn't much to do. But it was and was a matter of like a Javier. I know used the term pivot. Like you kind of had to pivot what your life was like when when that change happened. It's like you could either just sit and do nothing and be depressed, or do what you could do during make the best use of that time, which yeah. is what you guys did. And in theory, it's what we did too. We're like, well. To a podcast we can do that from our home and you know talk to people so it's like glad it's over but it was you put (laughs) good use to the to the time
1: yeah it's kind of like a parallel thing like all of a sudden when i was just like sitting around wondering what the hell am i going to do with myself you know and then like i had this like yeah i'm the type of person i like to have a mission in life you know what i mean and like writing this values here record, it became my mission you know? And I'm writing songs like eight hours a day. Um, and it took us about, it took us like a year to write all the songs. I mean, we didn't write just the 13 songs that are on the record. First of all, most records don't have 13 songs. Most records these days are very short. They're like eight, nine, maybe 10 song tops. So a 13 song record, that's a lot of songs for a record. Um, but we probably wrote 25 songs. Yeah. And, and yeah. And picked the thirteen best. I mean, we were just like nonstop for like a year, just kind of like yeah. And, and
2: and you were very uh, consistent with that because I told him, "Hey man, let's just do uh, a couple of singles and release them, and and we will see." And he was like, "No, we must do a full record." <laughs> of tw- at, at the beginning it was twelve songs. At the end it was uh, it was thirteen. But he was like super no, it must be a full, full, full record. And I was like, no nobody does this nowadays. Everyone like releases four songs or I don't know. But he was super determined with that. Like we need a full record. And I was like, that's a lot of time. (laughs) But
1: yeah, I'm old school. Like I wanna do a record, you know?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't want it to be some sort of like project thing. Like I want this thing to be a band. And to me, like if it's going to be like a real band, it's going to be a whole album. Like you're going to be able to play a set. You know what I mean? So uh, I was pretty determined with that. And we spent like a lot, I mean, we, we effing worked really hard on this record, like really hard. And that was just writing the songs. You know, that's not even recording them. So right, because that's what yeah,
0: that's another an uh, <laughs> I wanted to, to talk about the recording because um and we have been joined now by Vinny. So we have the whole the whole group here. Hey, What's, up? Up? What's up? What's Vinny? up, Vinny? <laughs> but I'm here. I'm
4: back. I was in Long Island this morning for band practice on a, at nine AM with Vinny and the Hooligans in Long Island because that's what we have to do because everyone's forties plus Kids and all, but like you, uh, like you do. Either when your singer is in Spain and your bassist is in California, or your, the rest of your band's on one island, you, you make it work when you, when you like the music. So, so that's what I was have, doing,
1: and now I'm here. We should all move to, to New York City. Just throwing that out there. Anyway. I, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. Yeah. Um,
3: okay. So what was well, the Rick, oh, before sorry. you? Um, before you ask the next question, there is one little. Cool fact that when Bold did uh, some reunion shows, we actually played in Barcelona and we were all in the same room, the four of us at a oh, yeah, show. Sorry. But uh, that's true. we didn't meet I didn't we didn't meet Chewy, but we were actually like seventeen years ago all in one room overseas and uh, yeah, now we're all we're together here. But
1: isn't that isn't that bizarre? <laughs> yeah, it, we, we were looking at
2: the uh, if we could find videos of that of that show because that would be amazing to find a video of me in the beat like singing running wild and playing
3: and <laughs> play, we'll
1: that be so cool. We're like a family now. It's <laughs> so <all> crazy.
0: <laughs> the, yeah, because the bold. I, if I remember, around the time of the bold reunions. Because when I read you guys, there was a print interview where Porcell talked about, you know, the bold songs. And I remember there was because they're supposed to be like a record on Livewire.
3: Yeah. Right. Yes. Well, and, they, they were going to put out the, um, the CVs, the, the first show back that we played with uh, Have Heart. And um, but it just wasn't first it step. Was so many technical problems on that and like just sound issues. Um, but that was yeah, going to be included. There were I think we did four songs, three that were complete, uh, one without vocals, and we never went back. We recorded someplace through Tom Capone's friends like out in Long Island, we were just demoing it and seeing how it would sound and what you know, it would work
1: uh, when when we went to the studio for the ball songs, they didn't really kind of turn out great. Yeah. I think we just kind of scrapped it. And and we we kind of scrapped it like midway through. We're just like, this isn't coming out great. Let's not waste the the money
3: kind of doing. I thought the songs were good. Songs are good. A couple of times, but uh, maybe maybe just one or two times the song each song.
1: Yeah. Were they played at shows live? Did you is that what you said? They were were, We we even played the one that, that became Bring Me the PMA live. I if we played that in screen?
2: Really? Yeah.
1: There's probably some videos where we play it. We're, we played it, right, Tim? Yeah.
2: I, I, I will always say that I stole uh, bold songs. The bold songs.
1: Yeah. <laughs> sure. that, stole,
2: the bold songs were both, but I stole them.
1: <laughs> stole Matt's thunder. well
0: we here where it went are very big bold fans so when I heard about you know I thought that was really cool that like the music was originally you know for for that and it's cool that it's great that you were able to put them to use and 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 get them out and and it's an honor
2: for me it's an honor to like when when he told me like oh these meant to be bold songs but try something on that and I was like
1: What the fuck? You know? Secret age. Like, oh. But. Dewey's a freaking straight edge super fan. (laughs)
3: Yes.
1: Like, she's totally like straight edge, hardcore, vegan, stage dive type girl. Yeah. (laughs) Well, very,
0: very versatile because, again, even just hearing the record, I mean, I've got to hear the whole thing, but the two songs that are out are very different from one another. You know, the Mm -hmm. first. First single is a, you know, fast, melodic, hardcore song. And then the single that just came out earlier this week when we're recording this uh, is a lot more uh, like more mid tempo, a little bit of jangle, a little bit of, uh, you know, like almost indie rock, but not. Yeah. And then yeah. I've seen Chewy, your stuff online. I've heard the electronic stuff. Like you have a pretty, pretty wide range uh, mm-hmm. Which is cool and probably made this a lot of fun to write and record. So with with the recording, I know you went to Tom Source, um at Normandy Sound, which for I know you're very familiar with. One of you know one of the great records done there is a little one by a band called Judge. Bringing it down was done there. Um, Mantra as well, right? Um, and actually, it wasn't Beyond Planet Earth too, right?
1: Too. Um, we, did, we didn't record it at Normandy. We recorded in Woodstock at this really typical studio in Woodstock. But Tom Soares produced
0: Tom it, right? Produced it. Yeah. Okay. So where did where did Vinny and Tim come in? Like, when did they enter the picture? So you guys are passing
1: back files and writing songs. Well, this <laughs> is this is how the whole thing kind of led up to that. Um so me and Chewie wrote all the songs that took like over a year of a uh, pretty like intense work. Like I said, we wrote 25, you ever try to write 25 full freaking songs and demo them fully? Like it takes, it takes at least a year. You know what I mean? So we did that. We picked out the, the, the 13 best ones. And then we're like, okay, we're going to record these. Um, uh, and then we tried to Chewie got a drummer, from spain and she got another guy from spain uh, that was the bass player and we started working with those guys and it just wasn't working uh, and and uh uh you know i was like doing the guitar tracks and we, i was like sending them back and forth and it just wasn't working like it wasn't sounding good like i knew that you know when you're in a band you just know just like bold knew like oh even though these songs might be great we're at the studio and they're just not turning out good you know you just know And I, I had really, I thought the songs were great, you know, and I was like, and I thought Chewy was a great singer. And I was just like, this isn't doing justice to these songs at all. Like these things sound crappy. Um, so I didn't know what to do. And so we were kind of like just going back and forth thinking, what are we going to do? And I was like, Chewy, we got to scrap this recording because it just doesn't sound good. Like we got to do something different. And there was probably like a few weeks where it was kind of like just very disappointing and frustrating. We didn't know what we were going to do. She's in Spain. You know, the lockdown's kind of ending, but still she's in Spain and stuff. And yeah, and
2: then the, the lockdown, um, we couldn't fly even with uh, because the, the vaccines weren't made yet. And I think that we were locked down in, in my town. You couldn't go to the town next to you. You okay. only could stay in your own town. So I had just friends that were from my town. I, I, I couldn't call a friend that lives uh, two towns next because um, they were like police controls in the in the driveways. Jeez.
0: So it, it was crazy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it was crazy.
0: So when, did you guys record with the other? So when or were you saying did we record? Was,
2: yeah, we recorded, but but it was like uh because at first we were making like a demo. It wasn't like a real record,
1: so. We were trying to make a, we to make a real record. Yeah,
2: but uh, we couldn't do it so well, I don't know.
1: It just, it just didn't work. You know how it is. Yeah,
2: we were trying our best with um, what we had. With what That's we right. had, it, it, it was all do it yourself because my brother recorded the uh, thing. My brother is a sound technician. And my father had a sound engineer. How do you say it? Uh, the, the ones that, that yeah. The, no, the ones that when you in a the show, the ones that the ones that put the, the the speakers and make them play.
1: Dad owns like um, a production company, right? And yeah, like, that the stage. He comes and he brings the speakers and he sets up the stage and everything, does the scaffolding. And he's yeah. got a warehouse where he stores all that stuff. So we tried to record it there.
2: There, yeah.
1: It just didn't sound good.
2: Yeah, because it wasn't a studio. It was like a, a big place. and We tried our best, but it didn't work. So we had to do it again and do yeah. it again and do it again.
1: You know, so we recorded the whole thing, you know, we and we, we worked a lot on it. Like we put a lot of time and effort in and it was super frustrating and we were kind of going back and forth and I really didn't know what to do. And even though, yeah, like she was saying, even though things weren't really locked down in America at that time, Chewie couldn't fly to America. Like Europeans couldn't fly to America till pretty like late in the game, you know, after locking yeah. over. So, um. After about three weeks of just kind of, like, really just sort of brainstorming of, like, how are we going to make this work? I got the idea, man, maybe I should call Tom Soares. And if people don't know who Tom Soares is, like, um, Tom Soares was a sound engineer and a producer that worked at that studio, Normandy Sound, where a lot of, like, classic hardcore records got made. You know, Leeway, Chromag, yeah. Jeff- Killing time, you know, Gnostic Front, sick of it all, and stuff like that. But before he did that, you know, that was a kind of like a. It was a big professional studio, and the first, like some of the first stuff that Tom worked on was the New Kids on the Block record. So by the time he was like, you know, a young man in the game as a sound engineer, he already had a platinum record. And then one of the next big record he worked on was Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. <clears throat> Remember that? Oh, yes. What was his big song? <laughs> good Vibration.
0: Or, good yeah, vibration. A good vibration.
2: That, that's a super hit. I love that that's song. So I so love that. That good show. Vibrations. What? Wow. That's another amazing coincidence because I love that song. It's
1: so, so <laughs> weird, Stewie? When you were a little kid, Bouncing around to bring a good vibration. Someday the guy that recorded that song would record your music. Isn't that weird? <laughs> and Marky Marky Mark, who now he 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 uh,
0: just completely just was it, dis. Uh, he disassociates
1: himself from all that. It's funny. Like he apparently oh. gets really mad if it's brought up. Well, it's kind of cool that I like to think that there's a seven degrees of separation between me and Mark Wahlberg because I love. Yeah oh yeah i, I, hope so, I, I, I think he has
2: the record i think he the record
1: and yeah. he loves it we should get marky mark the record yeah song. no mark yeah. has to listen to values here well you
0: know that because someone's going to already saying it while they're listening there was also the youth of Today
1: shirt in the new kids video oh another weird coincidence yeah so true story go. Tim told me that, you know, Tim is like, uh, he's like a carpenter to the stars. He gave, he gave Ryan Gosling a bald shirt, but he never saw him wear it. But Ryan Gosling was given a bald shirt at one point.
2: <laughs> Tim, Tim, you have to send the record to Ryan Gosling. Please. Yes. Yeah. I have a Barbie tattoo, you have to see. Okay. I have a Barbie tattoo.
0: He's a fan of them. <laughs> You have to. You're on the spot yeah. now. Too. Please.
1: Promise us on the air right now in front yeah. of the Third <laughs> <Met> podcast audience. <laughs> the values here record to Ryan Gosling.
0: <laughs> get him one of the ones with the liquid inside. Oh, we should get him a
1: liquid one. That's true. All right, Tim, you got to do it, dude. That's your mission. I'll do it. All right. Anyway, to get back to this recording, stuff, so I was like, so okay, so here's a little history on um, on Tom Soros. So when he was young and he was just starting out, like um, you know, as a recording engineer, uh, his mentor also worked on like a lot of big records. Like Normandy Sound was like a was like a big major label recording studio. They had like state of the art equipment and like, Neve deck and stuff like that. And so after he had success with that, I think the first the first band that recorded with them, I think was Leeway. I don't know how Leeway ever got there. Oh, they started doing a lot of metal records, like Wargasm and like a bunch of metal records started being recording there that got big in like the metal scene. And so Leeway heard like some of those records are like, Oh, we got to go there. So Leeway ended up going there. And you know, we all know that, that Leeway record. I mean, the recording on that record is like that blew away every record. Like when that record came out, that was the best sounding record that had anything to do with the hardcore scene. Like at the time. Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, I wasn't there when it came out, but even listening,
1: it held up so well because it sounds great. Yeah. It was just like, wow, this is a band that plays, CBGBs and they have a record that just sounds like it's a professionally recorded record. Like at the time, like I remember getting that record. Like I was thinking this guitar sound is sick. You know what I mean? And then the Chrome recorded best wishes there. So, and that record sounds amazing. You know what I mean? Um, and so, uh, we did the judge record there and then like, the domino effect hit, you know, after we did the judge record, then everybody started going there. Sick of it all. Agnostic front. Um, you know, the laundry list goes on and on and on of, of like the classic hardcore records that he did. So, you know, for like a good 10 years, he became known as this hardcore, produ- super successful hardcore producer. And he was doing like all the in effect records and like, you know, these bigger labels that were putting out hardcore, they all sent their stuff to Tom, you know, any label that had any kind of like money behind it. So he got well-known at that. Um, and then Normandy Sound was closing. I mean, the guy that owned Normandy Sound, he was like way old. You know, Tom tried to buy Normandy Sound and it was like a whole thing and it just didn't pan out. So Normandy Sound was closing. So Tom was looking around for another gig and he got a job opportunity at Electric Lady, uh, Electric Ladyland studio in New York anybody knows anything about rock and roll oh yeah yep. every single rock and roll record Jesus from like Christ. Hendrix, the rolling stones i mean look up electric ladies studios online and just see all the records that were recorded there like it's unbelievable and even like tons of of all rock records got recorded there i mean it's just amazing that like that studio has more history and more hit records turned out of it than any other studio in the world, hands down, like hands down. Um, it was Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy Hedrick started the studio. So he started doing records there. Um, it was probably like in the two thousands at this point, you know, that he started working there and they hired him as the rock guy. And, um, Man, I should tell the whole story of this. This is such an interesting <laughs> story. So it's in the 2000s. Tom gets a gig at Electric Ladyland Studio. Moves to New York. His rent was like nothing in like this small town in Rhode Island where you know Electric uh, 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 Normandy Sound was. Now he's got to move to New York. His rent quadruples. He's living in Manhattan. You know, he's and he's working at Electric Ladyland. And around the 2000s, rock kind of died and hip hop got really big. You know what I mean? So he's sitting around working at the studio. and He's the rock guy. And there's no bands for him to record. Like literally everything is just like hip hop or hip hop kind of influence. R&B got really big. You know what I mean? It was all that kind of stuff. Tons of these like major label records are being done there, but he's not doing anything. And he's not making any money. And so he's, he's got a lot of expenses. He's got an expensive apartment and months are going by and there's no rock bands recording there. And he's like, what the hell is going on? And he like his savings are depleting and depleting and depleting and depleting. I don't even know if I should tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> you heard it first, you heard it first yeah. on the Where It Went podcast. <laughs> But basically all of his savings got depleted and he was just doing random things here and there. Nothing that got big, nothing that he got paid a lot of money on. Um, And he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like he kind of moved there with no backup plan. He's been a studio engineer since he was a kid. Like it's his passion and his dream. Like what else is he going to do? You know what I mean? Like he's not trained to do anything else. He's immersed his life in this one thing. And he's working at this big studio, but it looks like things just aren't panning out. And it got so bad that he was so broke that he told me that he wouldn't turn on the lights in his apartment. He had one nightlight and, you know, he couldn't pay the electric bill. So he would only plug in one nightlight at night and that would be his only light. And then he said he had so little money that one day the only thing he had to eat was a can of beans. That was the only thing in his apartment. The only food he had, he was like completely broke. He had no money. And he was at the dinner table with his nightlight, eating a can of beans out of the can. And he just starts crying. Like he just kind of broke down and like all his hopes and dreams of, you know, he's been a successful producer and engineer for like, you know, two decades and now he's just like, he just kind of had a breakdown, and he didn't know what to do, and he's just crying, and he called up his mom. Now, his mom is super religious, Catholic, Spanish lady. Him and che- Chewy, and him talk about Spain all the time, Spanish stuff, and Spanish. Oh, no, Sp-
2: no, he's from Portugal.
1: Oh, he's from Portugal.
2: Portugal, it's, it's next to Spain. It's very similar, very similar.
1: They kind of connect with, like, Spanish culture, like like her and Tom. So he calls up his Portugal mom who's like super Catholic and he's just telling her like, mom, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I have no money. I'm going to have to get another job. I don't even know what else I'm qualified for. Like I kind of felt like that when I quit shelter and got married and had like a kid on the way. It's like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, this is all I've done with my life, you know, music. So I can really relate to him. And so he said, um, his mother said, Tom, you got to just, you got to, you got to take shelter of God. You should go to a church and sincerely pray. Now he's not religious at all. Like his mom's super religious, but you know how it is. Like he grows up, he's not going to church. He's into music and stuff like that. He's so des- He's in such a desperate situation. He walks down to like, I forget what, one of these like famous churches in Manhattan. And he literally goes down to the church when it's closed. There's nobody else in there. And he just sits and he prays to God, God, please help me. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Check this out. He prays in there for like, he's literally in this church for the first time, praying with like desperation to God, God, please help me with my life. He walks out of the church after praying sincerely for like two hours. And he's walking back home to his apartment and his flip phone freaking rings and he answers it and it's electric lady studios. And it's the, it's the studio manager. She's like, Oh my God, Tom, you got to come down here right now. Can you come right this second? Like, can you hop on a subway this minute and get to the studio as fast as you can? He's like, why? What's going on? He's like, you can't believe it. We have this like big artist here and both the producer and both the engineer Got sick. They canceled. They canceled on the whole project. You know this super big artist. She's going to pull out of the studio. She's talking about going back to LA and recording another studio. You got to get here right now and start recording this girl. And he said, "Who is it?" And they said, "It's Erica Badu." I don't really know who Erica Badu is, but that's big.
4: That's big, especially then Erica Badu. Wow.
1: You know, a bunch of huge pop records, sold millions and millions of records. You know, she's a big pop artist. She's a big R&B artist. So Tom doesn't even go to his apartment. He immediately goes back to um, Electric Ladyland uh, and he records Erica Badu. This is kind of like his big break. And so he does this whole R&B record. The record comes out. It's a hit record. Selling millions of copies. She's got hit singles. She's all over, you know, the radio, MTV, you know, blah 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 blah. She's really good friends with Jay-Z. Jay-Z, here's her record. Oh my god, I love your record. It sounds amazing. Who did you record with? Oh, I recorded with this guy, Tom Sores, at Electric Ladyland. Jay-Z. Calls up Electric Lady, I want to record there, and I want that guy, Tom Soros, because I love that Electric Badu record. The second record he does is freaking (laughs) Jay-Z! So he does Jay-Z. The third record he did was that rapper Common. Oh, yeah. yeah. He did that, and it's just snowball. He starts doing everybody. He's doing Britney Spears. You can, like, look him up. He's done just, like, just a ton of, like, these huge platinum-selling pop records. So it was just so weird. He went from being desperately broke and about to give up on his whole career, goes to this chair's praise as he's walking home. He gets his big break. And from that day on, it just kind of spills in. He starts making like major money. And then like everybody, and I kind of like knew about his career because I was, you know, I kind of followed him and I knew, oh, Tom's like this big pop producer now. And I'm seeing all these big records come out, you know, produced by Tom Soares. And so I'm thinking. I should call Tom Sores, but he's so big time now. He's never gonna do this record. He's never gonna do my little new band. I haven't spoken to him in decades. I probably can't even afford to like, you know, to have Tom Sores is like sort of like a long shot. I don't even know if I still have his like his number like I have from like years and years and years ago. I don't even know if it's still his number. I wouldn't even know how to get his number, but I had it in my phone. And I called them up, and here's one thing, like at Normandy Sound, when you recorded at Normandy Sound, they had they had apartments above Normandy Sound, and the band would stay at the apartment. You basically would live at the studio. And um, I was always the guy that stayed, like, you know, Mike Judge would come in, he would do his parts, he would leave. Sammy would do his drum parts, he would leave. I was the guy that stayed there the whole time, from beginning to the end, would help Tom mix, you know, everything. So I was, I was, I was there for like months. You know, when we recorded shelter mantra, I was with Tom every day, all day long, sometimes all night long with Tom, we became really good friends. And so I called Tom up and I was like, Hey Tom, what's up? This is Purcell. And he was like, Johnny, he called me Johnny. Johnny. Oh my God. How are you doing? My old friend. We really like, you know, we hit it off cause we were friends, you know? And so before I even mention anything about values here, we talked on the phone for probably an hour and a half, just like catching up. He's telling me about all the stuff he's doing. And then finally I was just like, Hey Tom, the reason why I called you is because I got this new band. It's got this girl singer. You would probably really like it. It's sort of like very melodic, like, like shelter. Um, uh, But it's also got like, you know, hardcore roots to it. And I told him the whole story. I was like, you know, we really need somebody to like record and like produce this record. He's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Johnny, for you, anything, I'll do it. So he was just like super cool. And he got completely on board with it. And he's like, you know, he's, he's, like, a, he's like a 70s rock guy. Like he grew up listening to Zeppelin and like the Eagles and, you know, like he's a rock guy. Right. He likes guitar, bass, drums, music. You know what I mean? So for years, he's been doing this, like, you know, stuff that's not like that. And he was actually, he said, I'm, I'm really excited to do, like, a guitar, bass, drum, singer, energetic, like, big guitars, rock music. So he was actually, like, really excited to do it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. So I call up Chewy. She's all excited. She's, you know how Chewy is? super jumping around oh, yeah. you know so she's all excited about it too and we started working with tom and i tell you it's it really like saved the record um and he's such a creative like he's like a real producer you know he's not a guy that just engineers like he's an ideas guy you know, and he had me do like all these different parts and he had all these different ideas and he would have Chewie sing these different ideas and have Chewie play tambourine and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so we just started working with him and it really like we turned a corner. And of course, I had to do the whole thing over again. This was like the third time I've recorded the whole entire record from start to finish all the guitar tracks over again. Um, you know, so really, you know, we called the record Take Your Time, I'll Be Waiting it's a, it's really like a personal joke with me and Chewy because we worked on it for years and it took years and you re-recording and finding Tom and working with Tom and like you know blah blah blah, um, and of course Tom is super busy. You know Tom's got his you know day job. And he's recording other stuff and you know he's doing our stuff on the side. So it took a really long time, but um, that's when it really started to come together when Tom when Tom got on board. So, you guys did that when
0: last year? You think was it that it was recorded twenty twenty two? Yeah. Okay. And then on the record, now my understanding who so who was on, in the studio for the record? It was you, well, Chewy.
1: We didn't have Vin, we didn't have Vinny or Tim at that time, and so uh, the drummer that Chewy was working with, I was like, I, I just just don't want to work with them, you know, because it just didn't work out with the recording last time. And so Tom, Tom was the guy that said, just get Dave Dicenzo. And uh, I was like, that's a great idea. Dave DeCenzo, if you don't know who Dave DeCenzo is, he's the drummer that played on sh- the Shelter Mantra record. Oh yeah. And it defines like, that's like a drummer's record. Like I know people that are drummers and they're like, man, when I listen to that drums, the drums are just like incredible on that record. Like
4: True story. True story.
1: <laughs> There's that
0: story about like what his, uh his snare or whatever, like after the session, it
1: just has one like dent in it. Cause he just, yeah, he hits the drum in the same exact spot. Like every single, he's such a technical drummer. And so I don't, and I was like, Tom, you think it will do it? And I'm like, he, Tom's like, I don't know. I was like, and I hadn't, I hadn't talked to Dave Dicenzo in years either, you know, since we did beyond planet earth. So Tom gave me his number and I called him up and it was the same thing. It's like, I called him. up. I was like, Dave, it's Purcell. And he was like, Oh my God, Purcell. You know, because it's the same thing, like we had worked so closely and we had done these records and he's like, you know, he's a drum teacher at Berkeley school of music. He's like a very, like he's a world renowned drum instructor at the biggest music school in the world, you know? And it was so cool. We instantly became friends. We instantly just started talking about music. And he's like, Purcell, it's so cool because I I get a ton of students every semester and they'll come up to me. They'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that you're the guy that played on that Shelter Mantra record. That's like one of my favorite records. Like he gets hardcore kids and like punk kids all the time that, oh, my God, you played on like, you know, uh, that Shelter record. And so we kind of, like, talked about that and geeked out. And I was like, well, it's funny that we're talking because I need you to play on something else. (laughs) And he was, like, totally into it. He had the studio that he worked with, and he booked the time. And, uh, man, it's funny because he really, like, Vinny, you better freaking practice and practice and practice. He played. I got it. Vinny's got it.
0: I have a hundred. Yeah. I think you got it, Vinny. I've seen I've seen you play with Youth of Today, Bold, and everything. You you'll be all right. Okay.
4: I played those shelter songs, those couple, those couple shows we did went out in, on that big stage when yeah. we uh well, when we like main supported uh, 41. what 41. it was it, gaslight anthem some, some 41. That's what it was, yeah. The Brand- gaslight Anthem oh. guys were really into it. And then we played in uh, Pennsylvania too. Reading.
0: Yeah. And Tim, you yeah, were Redding. playing with shelter as well, then, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Vic.
4: Vic from 108 said uh, that it was the best he'd ever seen Shelter play when we played me and Tim specifically. So uh, I will say that. I will put that in there.
0: So. Where was he? What show was he at? That was the uh, at Reverb, I think, right? Or something like that. One of the. Maybe it was like West re- was Redding, S- Tsunami. tsunami, tsunami, tsunami East Coast Tsunami.
1: So East Coast Tsunami. I think that's
0: what
1: it was. Yeah. Uh, so, hear- so Dave DeSanzo says he's going to do the record. And I sent him, like we had we had obviously we had all these like newer songs now. And so I had sent him demo records that I just you know do with the garage band drums. And so you know the stuff is like really basic. So, you know, so he had a lot to like, since the drums were like super basic on the demos, he had a lot of leeway to put in a lot of cool stuff. And I tell you, a lot of the really cool parts on the record, Dave Dicenzo just did naturally. Like, he's just got such a good sense of drum and rhythm and, like, kind of cool parts. He loves hardcore. He knows hardcore. Just like a lot of the cool, like, little stop and starts and, like, rolls and stuff, he came up with. And it was really kind of cool because... When I got his tracks back, I was like, oh my God, I got to play the songs completely different because now I got to play to him and he's played so much cool stuff. Like a lot (laughs) of the just kind of cool rolls and cool drum parts that he did, I played to him and I tell you, he improved the record. His playing improved the record like at least 20% because then I had to come up with all these cool guitar parts that I had never even thought about before to play to him and they actually ended up making a huge difference on the record. So, I mean, who, like
0: you said, he's a phenomenal drummer. I follow him on social media and I see that he, you know, Berkeley is no joke. Yeah. You know, like he he's... So for like, for Chewy, I mean, as a fan, because I'm a fan too of all this stuff, right? That's why we do this. This has to be, again, like a dream come true. You're like... Yeah, totally. I'm playing, totally. A, I'm playing totally. A band with, you know, Purcell, who was in every good band ever and <laughs> recording with you know, Tom sores who recorded a ton of great records. And then you get Tim and Vinny on board. That, that, my friends
2: can't believe it.
0: They're like, what? It,
2: I, I kept it secret for all these years. I only told it to my close friends, but now that it's all, um, everyone knows it. People cannot believe it. And sometimes I think about it like, It's so crazy, it's so crazy that this is happening. So I'm super thankful for this opportunity.
1: Hey Chewy, what does the dude with the Youth of Today Shelter and Judge Tattoos think about you doing this band now? Is he like freaked?
2: (laughs) No, he's not, Um, he's my ex-husband. We've been mm, together for 11 years and we've been 10 years separate. But he's my best friend. Mm, he's my best friend from the soul. He's family. So um, he, he was like,
3: geeked. He
2: must be geeked, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah! He's super excited, excited. I mean, not yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah! He was the, the, the first one when I when we started making stuff. He was the first to listen to all of the the things because I was like, "Hey, listen to this. Listen to that." Or all the news that. Everything that was happening, I would call him the first to tell him because he was a drummer of, my, of two of my bands. Because when we were looking for a drummer, uh, we, we always talk about the band, when we were making the band, that we wanted people nice in the band because, um, especially Purcell said that because i never been in tour, so I don't know what is touring. But in all my bands, uh, we were all friends. And it's a nice time to spend with your friends. So he always said, I want people that it's uh, like like us, that have the, the, the same lifestyle as us.
1: We are straight edge, we are healthy, we are positive people. Well, it's funny, yeah, when we were putting the band together, <laughs> I one main concern because she was like, wait, wait let's get this guy. I can get this guy from Spain. This guy drinks heavily, but he's a really good bass player. And I was just like, chewy?
2: No, do not tell didn't you no No, no no I tell you my friends, none of them drinks heavily. What? the thing is welcome Spain in Spain, everyone drinks. It's normal. The kids drink when, when you are 10 years old your, your father pours wine in your glass it's normal here
0: right it's a cultural it's a, just a whole different thing culturally I'm sure like yeah I mean that's yeah. always what I've heard like it's the the way alcohol is perceived here compared to theirs
2: yeah here it's is no big deal because it's something normal so I think that people doesn't get so psyched when they are uh here, the, when you are 18, you are an adult. In the United States, it's 21. I see in the movies that when people it's 21, they are like, "Oh, I'm gonna get so drunk." Here, no, because I tell you, I think that I I tried for the first time whiskey when I was five or six years old. Like, "Hey, Dad, what is that?" Oh, take a sip, and I was like, "This is the best thing. So. It's okay to do that. So you show the kids that alcohol is disgusting. (laughs) And then it's normal for the families when you're eating, uh, they mix uh, wine with soda. Uh, You drink a a glass and and maybe you're 12, you know. uh, So when you're 18, you are not. No, it's not a big deal.
0: Here it's usually a big deal,
1: but I mean, wasn't for me. Anyway, this is the point. Like we <laughs> put this band together and Chewie's like, I know this guy, he's from Spain, he's a great musician. I'm like, is he straight edge? No. No. So, yes. He's or out. vegan,
2: or vegan, yeah. I, I, I didn't have friends that were vegan straight edge and, and, and could and could make it because people have lives, you know, they, they have other stuff
1: to do. And you know, plus, you, it's cool that you brought your friends so well this is this is what I was going to say it's like you know my main concern is like I want this band to to be an actual band I want it to tour you know I want to just like go out there and make like a big statement make this be an actual band and I was like chewy you don't understand I cannot tour with people like that and I can't like I'm very particular about who like I got they have to be on the same wavelength as me and I, I have to be really good friends with them. So, the first two people I thought of was like Tim and Vinny. Like, you know, t-
4: we are t- finally, very finely attuned to you, to yeah. your particularness. Yeah. We know how particular you can be, and we, we are attuned to it. So, <laughs> it
1: and you know, the, the fun part of going on tour with bold for me was actually hanging out with Tim and Vinny. I can honestly say that they would call me up. Do you want to do this tour? Okay. This thing's going to be a big pain in the ass. And I'm going to have to move around all this crap in my life, but I just want to hang out with Tim and Vinny for a couple of weeks. So I was like, I've been on tour with these guys before. I love them. They're great guys. They're nice guys. They're straight edge. They're, you know, uh, vegetarian, Uh, They're not going to be like, you know, getting drunk and like doing a bunch of crazy stuff. And I'm not going to come on the bus and they're going to be freaking knotted out with a heroin needle in their arm and just like, (laughs) you know, so I was like, let's get them. And so we got Tim and Vinny and it just worked out perfectly. And it's just so cool how they just became instant friends with Chewy, too. It just seems like we've been in a a band for like 20 years. And and I I can't can't
2: wait to go on tour and it would be so nice. To play it's with people nice. that, that 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 you that you can finish the show and go directly to sleep because we want to wake up early in the morning because we want to train and and eat our fruits and vegetables. I mean, all I, when I played with, with people, um, when we finish the uh, the show, people want to go drink, smoke, and go to sleep late and i usually leave before them like i finish the show and i uh, okay i go uh, i don't want to stay partying all night you know so i'm so happy that i am in a band that it's tuned in tune with me and and, and we can play, um, train and i don't know it's great
1: yeah most people you know most musicians will play the show stay up all night getting drunk at the bar at the club that they just played you know, wake up the next day at like two or three o'clock in the afternoon, roll out of bed, smoke a J, you know, get ready to play the show. We're the type of people that are like, okay, the show ended. Let's pack up this equipment as fast as we can so we can get to sleep. And then we're going to be like waking up early, hitting the pads with Vinny, going <laughs> to be doing yoga. You know, it's good. You know we're go- we'll go out, we'll do some sightseeing. You know, we're like, that's like the type of people I like to be around on tour. Like for me, that's what makes music and, you know, playing fun. And I'm just so like, you know, grateful that this band kind of came together like this. And
0: you can see that's what's it's it's funny to tie it all in with the fact, you know, saying like it seems like you guys have all been friends for a long time. When you see the videos, you would never know that you got, you know, that Tim, like Tim said earlier, that. You know, he met like at the video shoot. Met Chewy, right? Like, right? That's what you said, right? I'm not. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But um, yeah, I was same. advised. I was advised. I mean, he was talking about them all the time. Like, oh, sure. Timmy's the great. Timmy's the the nicest guy on earth, and and Vinny's so funny. You will have so a great time. So I, I was expecting that, and. That was the truth.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and like you can you can see it and just all the you know the press stuff I've seen and the videos. So before before we do so this by the time you're listening to this, our goal is to put it out the day that the record comes out, so people can listen to this and you know go on your normal streaming places where people get music, but then also go to our friends at End Hits and order a copy because it looks killer. I've seen, you know, the colors and and stuff that Oisey has. I mean, End Hits, obviously, are always known for great physical product, great packaging. Purcell, how did you guys get hooked up with End Hits? Was it just, you know, because Oisey very excited about this project. He's been, you know, he's been talking to me about it for quite some time and, and he's super amped on it. Um, yeah. I know he did the
1: shelter stuff, so that probably got your foot in the door. Uh, you know, we talk to a lot of labels. There's an old saying, hire the enthusiastic. Like, OISE was so excited to there. He was like, oh, my God, I love this band. I'm so into it. Please do it on N Hits. Call me up. Oh my God. If you do it on end hits, we're going to like go for broke on this record. Oh my God, please do it. Everybody in the office loves this record. We're playing it nonstop. Like every single day he's WhatsApping me. He's calling me, you know, and I tell you that counts for everything. That counts for everything. You can have a small label of super enthusiastic people that love your music and they really have their hearts at, their 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 hearts in the game of they want to promote your band just because they love the music and that counts for everything and so i'm really super happy to be working with and his i think they're like one of the best labels oise is super creative you know he always comes up with like the cool packaging ideas like we're doing this liquid vinyl which i practically never even like heard of before he told me that about the pro he was telling me about the process of it and it was just like
0: Crazy, like it's a really involved. We
2: we get one. I want one because
0: we'll I think one. that
2: there will be only 15 made, yes. So I don't know, maybe we don't get one. I don't know, maybe you'll get one
0: and you can pass it around to each other. Like, oh, this. everybody in the band is, <laughs> like
2: and you and, and look at it like, oh.
0: but I agree about oh. the, the enthusiasm. Like, um, I mean, that counts for a lot because you can tell, like, he's he's so behind this band and the, and the record and, you know, enthusiasm is contagious, right? Like somebody's enthusiastic about
1: something, you know, it's kind of hard not to be in, you know, like to get psyched about it. You know, I, I learned that lesson with shelter because when shelter, you know, you know, before mantra came out, we were getting courted by every major label. You know, it was a type of thing where every band wanted to sign the next offspring. You know what I mean? The next green day. So major labels were signing punk bands like left and right. And most of the time they would sign the band they'd put out the record. If the record didn't immediately, you know, sell a million copies, they drop the band. It was like, they would sign you, they would drop you, they'd sign you, they would drop you. And they were just throwing as many punk bands. They were signing as many punk bands as they could. They were dropping them immediately. And if one of them stuck, then they would, you know, become like a, a huge band. So we were getting courted by all these major labels and they kind of just like had this very sort of like, yeah, you know, we could sign you, we'll throw it against the wall. We don't want to put a lot of money into it. You know, if you guys have a hit record, then we'll throw a lot. And they just seemed like not enthusiastic about it. Roadrunner couldn't have been more enthusiastic about the band. You know, uh, that guy Howie signed us um, and he just like loved the band and he would, we would go into Roadrunner, oh my God, like the whole, like we would walk in and everybody was just standing up out of their desk, we really want to sign you guys, we love you, oh my God. And I tell you, they went above and beyond the Call of Duty, like, Mantra so- sold hundreds of thousands of copies, and it was just because of the enthusiasm of the people, like, Roadrunner wasn't as big as like a major label. We sold way more r- records on Roadrunner than we would have on a, on a major label. And I just learned that, like, you got to work with people that love your music and are super enthusiastic about it. It counts for everything. So it was weird, like, it just seemed like we got a lot of random breaks. Like, I met Chewy randomly, and it, it just happened to work out. Like, we, uh, uh, we managed to get Tom Sores on board. Everything just, like, a door opened, and all the songs started to come out great. You know, we got Tim and Vinny in the band and it kind of like gelled into this like whole band. And another crucial break that we got is um, when Tom was doing all these major label records, he was working with this guy, Dave Kutch, who is probably the biggest mastering guy in the world. He's done every freaking record that you can imagine. He's mastered the record. And there's something about mastering where real magic happens. Like even if your record is recorded well, if you have a really good mastering guy, he'll make it sound even better. And so we had finished the record. We were super stoked on it. Um, Oise was like, uh, and then Tom really wanted to date to get Dave Kutch to do the record. Um, But you know, he's like the biggest guy in the world. We're we're thinking this is probably going to cost more than the recording to get it mastered. And then, um, Always, he was like, we have, a, we have a guy that we work with. He's really good. He does all of our records. You know, don't worry. The mastering will be good. But Tom was like, no, I really want to work with Dave Cush. You don't understand. This guy would make your record sound professional. Like, it'll sound like mainstream, like if you get this guy. And so I call, Tom gave me his number. Tom talked to him and was like, please, you know, we're old friends. Do this as a friend thing for me. And so we ended up getting to work with this guy, Dave Kush. I called him on the phone. I was like, what records did you just do? He was like, oh, I just did Billie Eilish, Blink-182. Like he just starts rattling off like his last like four or five records that he mastered, like huge, incredible like records. I was like, um, but he actually, he actually has a connection with the hardcore scene also. He was like, yeah, I remember one time I saw Agnostic Front at CBGBs. It was the best show I ever saw in my life. So he ended up doing the record, and I tell you, the record already sounded amazing. By the time, like, when Dave Cush mastered this record, I don't know what the hell he did to it. He made it sound even better. Like, I, like Chewie's voice just kind of, like, came out, and, like, the guitar sounded, like, extra big. Like, it was just a great break that we even got this super, like, we, we got, like, one of the biggest producers slash engineers in the music business and like one of the best mastering agents in the world to like work on a record, which is just like super exciting. It just seemed to kind of just fall into place like that. So um, it's been amazing. This band has just been, it's been pretty magical being in this band. So anything can
2: go wrong right now.
1: Yeah, I am <laughs> looking at some of his
0: credits. It's pretty wild. Usher, yeah. uh, Outkast. Yeah it's a very very impressive uh yeah yeah
2: there's a song that's super big here in Spain it's called Despacito from Luis Fonsi and and Justin Bieber they made yeah, a collaboration it, it was
4: it was huge here too here, it was here huge
2: here too. Too. in Spain that the biggest one he made the, the master for that song so when i told people here the guy that mastered the Despacito is little record. everyone is like what
0: so i guess before before we do wrap up you you talked about tour any any shows in the works that you can talk about or any plans or is everything right now it's you know wait and see
1: well it was a super bummer because we had a tour all set up right when the record came out and it got canceled and um i've been trying to like i've been trying my best to set something up but like you know Tours these days, it's not like the old days where you just like, you know, set up a tour and like, you know, two months before. Like now tours, are like when we do like those Youth Today and Judge shows, some of those shows are set up the year before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or they're package, you know, a lot of tours now are these packages, right? It's like. Yeah. So we're trying to play catch up. We're trying to get booking agent. If there's any bands out there, bigger bands that hear this, we would love to open up for you. Please get in touch with us. Um, we would. We would love to be like an opening band on a bigger tour. Um, so I've been hitting up a lot of people. Um, so right now we're just trying to set things up. We're trying to get uh, booking agents. Um, we also want to get a second guitar player. If anybody lives in the New York area, great guitar player and can also sing and like sing backups and harmonies. And
4: like Pascal said, when he asked me and Tim, they have to be cool to <laughs> e- easy to easy to hang out with. They have to be cool on tour. Uh, yeah. And if you can sing straight edge, vegetarian, vegan would be, you know, uh, preferable if possible. We've already gone through our friends list and they're all either, again, like Chewie said, they're, you know, adults. I mean, well, I guess we're all semi adults, but <laughs> they have kids or jobs, things they can't do if they're, you know, if they, uh, qualified for, you know, like the role or they have the, uh, you know, they, they have the free time, but maybe not super qualified for the role. So anybody, uh, if anybody meets all those things in the middle and wants to come hang out. Listen to Patel tell old stories. Uh, we're happy to have you.
1: Yeah, please, please get in touch. I am. uh, I'm perfectly com- uh confident that that fifth member is going to come and
0: everything's going to. It work. will, and it'll be. I'm confident that it's going to be a big surprise, and we're going to be like, oh, why didn't we think of this person? It's going to be one of those situations
1: yeah. where it'll be just uh, serendipitous. Yeah. So we don't really know what's going to happen with the band. Uh, we're just psyched to go out there and play, you know? Awesome. Yeah, well, that,
2: that, for me, it's um, super necessary because one thing is listening to the record, but another thing is seeing the band live. And I think that it's 10 times better because I right. feel the energy. And I, and, and I want to do that. I want to grab the mic and sing the songs and, wah, and it's something that I I. I Cannot show just in our recording.
1: Huey's gonna be effing awesome live. I can't yeah. wait to play. I, I have faith
0: too. I can see the the you know from the videos and and whatnot and, and you know the the charisma like like Porcel said at the beginning for everybody. I mean I've I've seen the rest of these guys play many times, so I have faith that you'll
1: fit right in there. And we need that break. We need like. Rise Against, take us out on a big tour. Rise Against, guys, uh, give us a holla.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Joe, Joe the Joe, the bass player, he's he's been on the pod before. Maybe yeah. he's listening. Yeah. What did you get him uh, on for? Did he? Uh, we did that Instagram live thing like a while back with different people, and I got to talk to him. Super cool guy, straight edge vegan. Maybe he. Maybe he's our second guitar. Player. Yeah, maybe he. On, on their downtime, he can play. But, well, everybody, thank you so much. And for people listening, go check out the record. You won't regret it. Buy a copy from End Hits. Again, you won't regret it. Order other stuff from End Hits. And if you're in the U.S., you can get all the End Hits stuff through Death Wish. So, you Get that
1: record, y'all. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, everybody, thank you.
3: Thank
0: you. Well, thanks for having see us. All soon. Hope to see you on the road.